This is Ryan Poley. Welcome to the How Did I Get Here podcast. Coming up next is a conversation I had with Alex Talbot, the owner of Ideas and Food website and currently building Curiosity Donuts in New Jersey. Alex Talbot, thanks for coming out and hanging out with us. Listen, it is awesome to be doing a podcast in a sauna with you. <laughs> a sauna cast, yeah. Can we turn up the heat a little bit? Um, I think you have a very interesting story of the food world. And I think you've been dabbling a very long time in all kinds of different aspects of the food world. So let's take it back to 20 year old kid working the line at some of the restaurants that you worked at. And like, how did you break into this industry and why'd you stick around? Uh, I didn't know any better, mm -hmm. literally. Um, so briefly, I, I, you know, I graduated Colby College in 96. Uh, and didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I had cooked for friends and such. Uh, actually, when I went to boarding school, uh, a friend on the football team was gonna have a date. Um, and so I ended up cooking the meal for him in one of the staff, in one of the professor's apartments and then bounced. And then he presented this meal as though he had he'd missed it. Uh, then uh, graduating from, from college, I didn't have any real job prospects. Uh, an English major, so of course I don't have any job prospects. What were you? What were you interested at the time, though? Was cooking even on the radar then? As profession, yeah, just beginning to, mm -hmm. in the sense that a friend of the family, like that, my senior year Christmas, had said, "Hey, if you're ever interested in cooking professionally, give me a jingle." Basically, when when you're about to graduate, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have anything. So I, I gave him a call, and he was tied into um, a country club, Chenarock Shore Club in Rye, New York. Uh, so you were in that general neck of the woods years ago. Yes. Uh, but uh, the chef there was uh, Lenny Phillips. He's still there. Uh, but so he, the, this gentleman, Thomas Haas, introduced me. I went in for an interview and the guy was like, sure, we'll, we'll hire you. It was a friend of, a friend of the family. Basically, it was, it was you, you're going to get this job because you know him. And at that point, it was, it was just, you're just getting a job. I was getting a job as like the lowest level. Yeah. Like, you are going to be working at a country club, working garmage. Like, you don't know what you're doing. And, and this, is, this is where you're going to start. But before that job, what other prospects were you looking at out of college? Where you had some things on the table. You're like, I could go this direction. I can no, you know, the, it, use we, my degree as English major. The, the, there was that. I, I think I, I, had, I had done an interview because the college, you know, college brought people in for interviews. Uh, what was it? Julio and Gallo? You know, they, or, I mentioned, they, damn, they did, they did boxed wine and canned wines before canned Oh, wine. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Julio and Gallo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did I, did I must have. I must have had the accent wrong under Julio and Gallo. <laughs> uh, I did an interview with them uh, to be like a salesperson or something like that, and they were like, oh, wow. "Kick rocks." <laughs> so I was between that or knocking on this door. Uh -huh, right, so I knocked right. on the door, uh, and, and I got along with the chef pretty well. I mean, it was it was kind of a brief thing. Um, I think I was actually late to the interview, and he was like, "Well." Don't ever fucking do that again. Right. I was like, okay. In general. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess I got that figured out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, I started, uh, he was young. He'd gone to the CIA. He had been in Hawaii. Uh, and this is like his first big chef job at the country club. So he was young and hungry and 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 driven. Um, and I had, didn't know, you know, Rosemary from time. Right. 
and he uh, he saw that I was I was enthusiastic and would would give me projects and I mean from cleaning lettuce to stuff like that. But he's the one that instilled the idea of you should do something really well and then you should do it faster well the mm-hmm. next time. Uh, so he would he would literally have me fucking stopwatch. Yeah, great advice on 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 everything I was doing. Uh-huh. Um, whether it was slicing tomatoes for the salads or if it was cleaning romaine lettuce, like I was cleaning, you know, sinkfuls of romaine lettuce and he's like faster, you know, but that's, but he was also somebody that was, he was, he was curing and making his own smoked salmon for a country club. Like you you didn't see that. Right. And it wasn't, you know, like generic, it was like cilantro and jalapeno and fucking cool shit. Uh, so once I kind of got into that bit, um, and he saw that I was sort of eager again, summer job, right? I mean, there's, there's, you know, country clubs swell with staff and yes. then shrink in the winter time. Uh, so he knew uh, a chef that he had worked with because years ago he worked for, in some form or another, I think he worked for Charlie Palmer mm-hmm. in the pastry kitchen. Uh, but he knew this guy, Pat Vaccarello, who worked for David Burke. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening, well, all the big dogs in the late nineties, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, and if, if your listeners don't know who David Burke is, they should go back like that's, yeah. that's and Charlie Palmer also and Charlie yeah, Palmer yeah, as well. Right. I mean, Charlie Palmer, I think is, is certainly, I look at him more as classic, whereas David Burke is the unsung hero for creativity in the culinary world. Setting the trends. In the he's still, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he's still mm-hmm. setting the trends. Yes. Um, but like he, I mean, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get there in 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 the in the nonsense. So Pat Vaccarello, uh, Lenny knew him, and he 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 used to work for or work for David Burke, but they just opened up the uh, Maloney and Percelli, mm-hmm. which was a, a, a steakhouse in in the uh, the Stillman Restaurant Group. Uh, one thing led to another. Basically, they got me to stage at Park Avenue Cafe, which is David Burke's restaurant uh, in New York. And so I, I started there. I got you know one day. This was after the country club. This I'm still at the country club. Okay. This, this, this and my he's day. like, hey, go check this out and see what real cooking is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like okay. yeah. So they, you know they helped me. Like I had the country club knives and they helped me sharpen them up nice. And yeah. I brought them in in a. In a so my, my knife roll back then I rolled hard. So I used the country club knives, but sharpened up dial. You know, like they taught me how to sharpen knives. Uh, rolled in a kitchen towel yes. and then, and then, and then tape and then uh, rubber bands. Yeah. Rubber bands or in, twine. Yeah. yeah rubber, rubber bands. And then in, in my backpack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I went uh, and, you know, I, I, I did the stage and, you know, free labor, right? I mean, that's, I, the stages, I'm not sure what happens to the stages these days, but back then it was totally like, like they, the, you know, the cooks looked at us and was like, sweet. My day just got better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I Here's somebody off all this bullshit work on somebody. <laughs> exactly. How are you at picking time? Uh, right. <laughs> but only the third leaf off each stem. Right. Here's nine pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Have at it. Right. Uh, so, uh, but but I, I I mean David Burke stuff was you know he was doing the the, the layered salmon tartare with this super clean creme fraiche on top you know three olive oil dots a, a you know a gaufret that bent over it and a chai but like it was it was elegant sexy yeah. you know it, that was that was that was you know, stacked and, and, and constructed food. Um, we look at it now and laugh. We're like, ha, 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 ha. but back then it was like, who so would have cutting thought, edge, cutting yeah. edge and who would have thought of it? Yeah. Uh, and, and still some of the, I mean, uh, so I, again, I'm, I'm taking a long way to say, so I did one stage. They wanted me back the next week. 
So, right, who doesn't want free later to come back the next week? Yeah, right. Keep coming as much as you want, man. <laughs> so I, I'd, use, I'd go one of my days off from the country club all summer long. Um, I would go and, and, and stage there. Mm-hmm. So that when, when my, my stint at the country club ended, uh, I actually had a job uh, in New York City. So I, I, I got a job at Park Avenue Cafe. So mm-hmm. that was my first job. Um, and I was working Garmage. Uh, and I, I then moved over to the hotline that like back then that was, that was like, that was the difficult thing that you'd start off conversation and get your ass kicked and then go, you'd, you'd have this, the, the levels of the hotline. There were different, different yes. ranks, right? I mean, you had, there was the chicken station and then there was fish station and then there was, uh, meat and then saucier, yes. right? And, and that w- it went in that order and, and you got, I mean, you got your ass kicked, you know? So when it, it, back then, you know, we would make, when I moved over to the hotline, you know, you're making, you know, 60 roasty potatoes. So the, the chicken dish was was a, a roasty potato, homemade roasty potato. Uh, and then, you know, roast chicken with garlic butter uh, under the skin and a broccoli, a broccoli, uh, a broccoli tree. It was literally a floret of broccoli that you'd had to peel and turn into a tree and then and blanch. I mean, fair it, David Burke. <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah. you, you know, you had roasty tree, chicken built around it, carrot ribbon, to, to, to bow tie up yeah. the up the up the up the broccoli <laughs> and then sauce at the pass, but you know you, you make you know so, and, and this is still in the day. And I'm sure it still exists in kitchens, but you know you, your your shift started at one o'clock in quotes, but you had to be there by ten. To, yeah, easily by ten. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're gonna drown if you show up at one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You roll you roll in at one, and uh-huh. uh, you know, and and you know, I I, I started cooking and. Uh, the sous chef at the time, uh, executive sous chef, uh, Dwayne, he's now an instructor at the CIA, has been for years, uh, looked at, after me after my, my first night and he goes, son, if you don't get faster, you're going to get run over like what, what, like a Mack truck. And then someone at the end of the other line goes, uh-uh. <laughs> Jesus Christ, kitchen culture. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was but, you know, that, that was, you know, the, you had a steamer there to, to, to heat up the broccoli florets. But you know when you've got working with an industrial steamer, fast on that you know opening and closing. Yeah, it, the burns on your hands are. Oh my insane. god! Yeah, like when you yeah. put your hand in real like, burns. Like man. like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I mean it's like boom. Uh, yeah, you burn yourself yesterday, and then you got to go back to that steamer and keep burning yourself. <laughs> and, and you just flinch you and just, hope in your two days off that it heals. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a, there was a hole in the floor of the kitchen that you learned how to pivot off of. You know, so, so I mean, it, it was like a pitcher's mound, right? Like, yeah, like, right. Like, 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 like you'd have your moves down so that you, you could, you know, you basically, you plant and go. Right. So this was 96, 97, 96. 98. Yeah. No, no, just so I started off there. Um, I met a buddy of mine. Uh, I met back, uh, back then, Dorm Wong. He, he was, he was in the kitchen with me in, and he was, uh, I guess a little bit more advanced than I was. Uh, Vinny Barcelona, who was the. Uh, sous chef there. Vinny Barcelona. Yeah. Great name. Phenomenal. Yeah. You'd never guess you're from Jersey. <laughs> you think? <laughs> but so anyway, Vinny knew uh, a buddy of his was Ken Oranger. Yeah. Who was just opening in Boston. So uh, actually Doran left uh, Park Avenue before I did. But I was there. I was at Park Avenue like six months. Okay. Uh, it was not a long stint. I was living in a... Uh, on a futon in a friend's apartment in uh, Gutenberg, New Jersey, named after the great Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was taking the short bus to, to Port Authority every. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. You know, at yeah, working doubles on 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 yeah, Sundays, making zero money, less than zero money. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It was shift pay. Uh-huh. Right. So, yeah. shift pay. It was seventy five dollars for a shift, 
and a double, you got 125. Right. <laughs> so you're there 16 hours. <laughs> it was like, yeah. this math sucks. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up going up to Boston uh, and I got a quick job at like this small little place, but I can't remember. Uh, it was the West Street Grill. I can't remember it now. Um, and and Doran had gone to, to work because Vinny knew Ken. Mm-hmm. So Vinny um, put in a word for me as well with Ken and Ken was looking for somebody. So again, my day off from West Street Grill, I went over there, interviewed with him. Um, and he was like, he hired me. And I had some time before I had to go back to work, whatever it is. So I, I literally went into the dish pit, changed my clothes and went, went to work for, yeah. you know, however many hours. And then, so I'd, I'd work because I, I gave legitimate notice at the other place, but still would go sure. work in the mornings for, for Ken. And so that's when, and, and working for Ken was a, uh, probably, I mean, that was huge in my, 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 my culinary learning, um, and, 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 and helping, uh, shape, uh, I think who I became as a, uh, a student of food. Uh, funny enough, I, I, I always like connections. I think we always make connections after the fact, but so Ken actually did his externship for David Burke. Mm-hmm. At River Cafe. So you think that that was David, having David Burke on your resume was the the the, the, the no what the door no what not at all it was it, friends, it, yeah. it was it was it was that Vinny mm-hmm. had gotten Doran in the door yeah Doran spoke like Doran saw that I was young and hungry the two of them and then Ken was again this is back then Ken had just come back from California he was young and hungry uh-huh. so was, he was looking for people that were just like minded like minded and like would just would would work yeah. like just you would you would work. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ken was doing, you know, groundbreaking food. It was. It was insane. I mean, you know, I was thinking about, you know, uh, you know. Especially for Boston at that time, too. You're you saying know? Boston's not Boston, refined? Boston. No, I'm just saying at that time, there wasn't a, you know, everybody was looking at, you know, like, New York and, and, and L.A. was uh, having, a, having a moment around that time. Also. L.A. was a little bit. Uh, and, and really, uh, you know, Thomas Keller had just recently, well, okay, recently within the past what three to four years opened yeah, the French, French laundry, laundry right. and that was a game changer. Mm-hmm. But again, this is a time when information traveled at a say way that. different level, you right. know? So, uh, you actually had to go stage somewhere, work somewhere, or eat somewhere. Like you had to bring back a menu, bring back a menu. You, could, photos, taking photos at dinner wasn't even a thing yet. No, you know? you, there, were, there wasn't photos. I mean, and that, when it became a thing, it was frowned upon. Oh, absolutely. Excessively frowned upon for a long time. Who's that asshole with the flash over there? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a huge camera. It wasn't like how we do it now. And then, and then, you know, but then, and then, but then it, you know, led led to the sites of something like E-Gullet where, where. Correct. It, 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 the games began. Right. I think that's where we met. It's on on my list to talk about. So, so how was your time with Ken? It was, it was, it was brilliant. It was hard. You think that that was the moment? Do you think that working at, Park Avenue with David set you up for that. Like you, you went to the country club and you saw basic cooking. You were probably working the line, you're probably doing banquets. You're probably doing events. You're probably doing weddings. You're probably doing sandwiches at the same time. All that's going yep. on. I feel like the country club experience I had at a young age was so pivotal for me to go on and be able to work a multi-station and set myself up for these like high-end restaurants that I went and worked at. Absolutely. I mean, I think, I think country clubs are, are you know, often really discounted as great places but I mean 
And I think I think I think you've got levels of country clubs and you've got drive in the in the in the chefs of the places. Correct. But Lenny was always driven. He's always trying to improve. Like we're still in touch. Mm-hmm. Like literally, we, we'll text. You know, not not all the time. Like not like best friends, but like no. Yeah. Uh, but no, no. We, I mean, I, like I'll have a random idea and and he'll send something back. But he's always pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and doesn't you know, a country club you don't really need to push, but. Correct. You sort of do, and 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 he's always been that way. Like that's that's what's been magical about meeting him. I think I'm very fortunate to have met the people I've met in the in the sequence that I met them. Right. Uh, so again, working for Ken, huge, and that's where Aki and I met as well. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other. I mean, not, not love at first sight. I was more like I was the asshole. Um, still am probably, <laughs> but but. It, Again, that that became its own its its own synergy. But working for Ken, so Ken traveled. Ken was always ahead of the curve in the sense that he he's extremely well traveled, well read, well traveled, well read. Yes. Uh, he can see something and realize that it's going to be the next big thing uh-huh. and stay ahead of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, just you know, passionate. Um, and a, and an unbelievable palate. Yeah. Like you can try and sneak something into a dish and be like, "What is it?" And he'll he'll be he be like, "Yeah, there's oxalis in there." Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. You found the oxalis in that? Right. And, you know, or, or, oh, you steep chickweed in it for 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, who, who's got chickweed in their back pocket? Right. And how, how did you taste that? Right. right. Exactly. You know. So what, what, what year was it that you left Ken then? So I started there in, uh, I was there for like a year and a half, a little bit over that. Okay. So 98. 98. So Aki and I left there and then went to Westchester, New York, mm-hmm. briefly. So when I, my, my pre-cooking days, I actually, my first job, real job was, I was a dishwasher at a luncheonette in uh, Bronxville, New York. Mm. Uh, and this is the owner there, it was a small little luncheonette, and they did all their cooking on two hot plates and a microwave. Jeez. And I mean, he served and like- it worked. And it worked and served like a lot of food, you wow. know? Uh, so I was the dishwasher, hand washing everything there, and he did catering with two hot plates in a microwave. Like it was, it was, it was kind of not so crazy, but uh, small little space. So when we got back to Westchester, he had actually rebuilt it out. He put an actual proper kitchen in there, and he was looking for a chef for the place. Mm. So Aki and I took that on. We thought it would be a good idea, and you know, I, you know, worked for Ken was was his, uh, left as a sous chef. You know, had I had in theory skills, in theory. Yeah. Uh, and we, we took it on and we were, we were going to do it. And, you know, the, the place was kind of a dump. We had to like clean everything. We, we, were, we were used to having everything, you know. When, yeah, when, of course, yeah. When right? you get to that level, it gets spoiled. You, know? you get spoiled yeah. really fast. You're uh-huh. like, what, 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 what the fuck? Like yeah. they, and, and then nothing works. And you're like, what the fuck? Well, I need this, this, and this in order to make it happen. And they're like, and the me. guy's like, I was cooking on a hot plate a couple weeks ago. This is what you got. <laughs> this is what you got. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Here's some sticks and some tinder. Uh-huh. Have yeah. fun. But yeah, so uh, we did that. So what uh, kind of food were you doing? What were you? What kind of food were you interested in doing? I don't think I knew yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I it, was, it was still always chasing chasing something that was delicious that we enjoyed. I mean, it was. I, I think at that point we were just stealing the stuff that we had done from Ken's yeah. with it, with and making with, it your own, make, yeah. trying to make it our own. Th- yeah. That's a that's a normal transition, I think, for sous chefs, chef de cuisines, cooks when they when they get in the position of creating their own dishes. They're replicating what they've learned in order to find their own voice and style. It takes many years, you know. I know, I'm, I'm still, it's, it's. We'll, I'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um, that goes off on a whole other side of creative thing um, about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but um, Kirby Ferguson, he's got this great uh, documentary, or not documentary, videography thing. Uh, he wrote, it, it is, uh, everything is a remix. So that, Well said. Uh, and he did, but it, it, he, he looks at, at music, um, most of music and movies mm. is, 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 is what his, his thing is. Yeah. Well worth watching. It's, it's, you know, it's like 20 minute things put together for an hour. But that ties into food. Like everything awesome. is old, is new, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, and, but he, uh, he had this, this three part thing that was, it was like, with everything was a remix, it was like copy something something and I, I i i i look back at that and i i, I borrow that idea because my my mindset is always right first you need you need to uh collect then you need to copy mm-hmm. um then you need to combine uh, then you can transform and finally you can create right but you need to go through those steps like you you, you need to collect everything then you need to copy it because are those in your mind? Are those the steps of creativity in your oh, mind? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to be influenced by something in order for an idea to spark, right? I mean, that, that, that that's that's all it is, is is being willing to just bounce. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 really, it, it is it is you know you 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 live like like so you collect experiences. I mean, I think that's you know you're 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 a great person that that, that travels and, and collects experiences. I I don't leave my house, so I, mine's a lot more limited. Uh, no, but I mean, you know, back in the day. Like we talked about, there there was no internet of things. There was so I would actually walk walk like when I staged in Manhattan, I would then on my days off, I would I would walk to restaurants that I I respected and and knock on the door and ask for a copy of the menu. Menu, right? I didn't eat there because I couldn't afford to eat and there. I couldn't afford to eat there, and then the menu only told you so much. Right, like that you was know? it. Like yeah. okay, you've got uh, pork belly with cranberry beans. Right. Uh, arugula and you know at least mostarda. The, at least the menus then were a little bit more descriptive. Like those are the ingredients. You look yeah. at menus now; it's like three words. Yeah, exactly. And Thirty ingredients on a plate. You know, you've got you, you've got you've got sunshine, rainy day, and a rainbow. Yeah. You're like oh, of course, I saw that so coming. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. So let's move into e gullet because that's I think that was a huge pivotal moment for cooks and chefs in the food industry to have, um, I mean, for me, it was, I think it was the first food blog. Yeah. I mean, it was a food blog slash forum forum so, yeah, that everybody was involved in. Absolutely. Like, so everyone was there again, right? Because we're, we're, we're all searching for information. So I remember seeing Eagle for the first time, like 1999, 2000. So we had, we were in Westchester. Um, and back then we, Westchester was short, like three months. I couldn't deal with it. Like it, it uh, I, 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 it just, it, it was not, it was not working. Was he, so that's a side note. Um, did he say, Hey, you can run this restaurant and do whatever you want or, yes. Hey, here's the menu. This no, is, no, you know. do whatever you want, okay. but we also have to do this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, well, this stuff I don't want to have to do. Right. You can have this section of the menu and you have to keep these dishes. Yeah, it was more. It was more so a lot of his catering stuff yeah. that I like. I was used to doing fine dining, small portions, busy, but you know, this catering thing. No, thank yeah. you. Uh, funny enough, so we left that and we created this. Uh, and this is back. Okay, this the, the irony of this. This is back in 2000, 1992, Yeah, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. Uh, we called it. Uh, created a company called Amuse Bouche, mm-hmm. uh, and we did intimate dinner parties for people in their houses from like four to fourteen courses. Right. And we go start to finish. Like nobody was doing this back then, um, and we were doing it, and and it was it was super cool. So we, 
you know, we, we prepped it out of our little apartment kitchen and showed up and dialed it in. That's and super dope. It was crazy. It was insane. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, we did that. And then uh, during the summertime when people would go travel into whatever it is, you know, go away, we ended up getting uh, a job on Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And we ran a restaurant, uh, La Cucina, who was, uh, that was owned by Marco Canora and his mother. Right. Um, so I was the chef, Aki was the pastry chef. Uh, and we did that for two seasons as well. Uh, and that's, you know, that's 2000, 2001. Right. Uh, we got married in 2000. Uh, and we actually were on the vineyard already. We flew back for the wedding day and then had to fly right back to Cork. It's such a, that's such a <laughs> culinary industry story, you know? We got, we got married. And so then, and then we went to, at the end of the season, we had some dollars, obviously, saved right. from working on the vineyard because we worked nonstop. Uh, and then we went to Napa Valley for the... Like, chef, can I have the morning off because we're going to go get married? Well, yeah, but you got to be here by two. Right, I exactly, mean, exactly. You know, like, and then... Who's, who's going to put the order right? Right? <laughs> 12.45, he's calling you. Hey, where are you? <laughs> uh, the ceremony hasn't started, but chef, we'll be there right away. Like, don't worry. I yeah, got chef. It. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so then, okay, so around 2000, when did, when, when did Ideas in Food, like, when did the idea for the ideas and food come out. So super close in this huge timeline mm-hmm. and then, then it'll happen. So after the vineyard, we did that two seasons. We found a job up in Damerscotta, Maine. Yes. Uh, at the place called um, the Bradley Inn. And we were there for, we ended up going, it was a season, but I, I went up and cooked, did a, a trial dinner. They, they, they wanted to elevate the place from the, like a country inn to Berlin Chateau, mm-hmm. or that's what they told me. So you know, light bulbs going off, I'm right. so happy. Yeah, great. Get this there, is it. And, this is it, get there, and it's a slightly different story. But uh, but back then, we were again doing, you know, again I think that fine dining influence from Park Avenue Cafe and, and working for Ken, we're, we're trying to do it. I mean, we were we were we were dry aging squab in the walk-in. We were making our own prosciutto. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were uh, we had a, a kitchen garden. We were cooking with you know hops and shit like that because that's what we could grow. They, 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 uh, and that's and that's where we're egullet. So we were in Maine, right? Uh, Pemmican Point. So th- this guy, uh, Jeff from Pemmican Oysters, would come knock on our door. Like Jeff was like 6'4 and 6'4. I mean, he was looked like Paul Bunyan. Yeah. And we show up with these, you know, b- bags of oysters. And that's back then, we he would have these oysters the size of my shoe. Yeah. And he, he couldn't ship them. They were too expensive to ship. So he'd sell them to us. So we'd pop them open and, and then clean them up and then use those. And we do oysters Rockefeller on this huge thing, you know, do, do, do three oysters poached with, you know, a yuzu cream spinach. And yeah. uh, I mean, it was, it was one thing, but that's when, that's when we go home at night and the computers were a little bit faster. And that's where e-gullet was. You you'd go and look at, at who had just dined at the French laundry to right. see what are the coolness stuff. Right. Now you have the menu. Now there's the first time that we're actually seeing pictures we're, in, in real time. We're seeing what the food actually looks like, yeah, right? You're, you're seeing, holy shit. This is what the food from Pierre Garnier looks like. Yes. This is what Alain Ducasse looks like. So now, now you're starting to put it together. You're like, holy shit. And you're, and you're sitting there jonesing for somebody else to put up some new picture about some new thing. You know, right. this, is, this is what Alain Passard's food looks like. Uh-huh. Um, so at that time, <clears throat> during eGullet, everybody was on there. You decided to launch your own site. Yes-ish. So after the season uh, on, in Maine, somebody approached us. Uh, family friends because we we were leaving Maine because one season was good the the we got run out of Dodge enough, yeah. we got run out of Dodge <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know so but so back then it was it, we were in Maine right 
So the, the, the opening menus, whatever, I refused to put lobster on the menu. And the owners were ready to kill me. And I was like, everybody... The lobster's everywhere in Maine. Like, like you know? Why, why yeah. should... Yeah, exactly. Why, why yeah. take... Why take a, and, but so I wouldn't, I wouldn't put lobster on the menu, nor would I also... Neither would I put um, steak on the menu. Yeah, that didn't go over well. Right? I, we, I, we did squab. I was like, squab is way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, finally, we, you know, we... We, we we put it. We took a ribeye. We got. A, we did put a ribeye on the menu. I, I I broke the whole ribeye down. Broke it down to, into its parts, and you know served like the the center cut and then the roasted cap separately. And and then one time, someone in the dining room got the ribeye and was like, "This isn't a ribeye. This is, uh, you know, this is a fillet because yeah. it's all cleaned up and totally, nice and right. Yeah. So that's when I, I I fucking went to the walk-in, took one of our dry aged ribeyes out and threw it on a platter and walked it out in the dining room. And it's like, this is your fucking ribeye. <laughs> Also, it's my last day. I quit. <laughs> Didn't quit, but yeah, it, it, yeah the, the owners were, were, were happy to have us finish our tenure Yeah, I'm there. sure that went over well. Yeah. Uh, so from Maine, we packed everything up and we, we ended up getting a job out in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. In Colorado at the private club. It was, so it was, it was a, uh, it was, a, owners had a ranch. It was called Kia Grande and it was, they had built an eight room uh, boutique hotel mm-hmm. uh, where they wanted to, again, super high-end restaurant and they wanted a couple so people could back then it was you know they wanted a couple so that you, you wouldn't go insane right because yeah. you're still in the middle of nowhere um but we had free reign to do what we wanted to and we started off as chefs and and we became the directors of operations of the place but it was kind of in the middle of nowhere where and it, you, again you were splitting this idea of you're on a four thousand acre elk ranch where you have hunters coming in right. that want like big hearty food. Yeah, what's food. the clientele, right? Exactly. Like, but but they also have the you know you you've got a chihuly in the foyer. Uh-huh. You've got white, uh, you know, carpets. Like you don't want mud on the carpets, right? It's, but it was it was this really weird thing. But that's that's where we started um, really coming into our own with with food, and that's and that's where we were kind of in the middle of nowhere and. Um, one of the man the manager at the time, um, Michael Chafin mentioned that we should start a blog when he started seeing what we were doing and we had time to do it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't open yet. We were cooking for friends and family. We were cooking for random folks. We were cooking for people from town, but we we were kind of twitching and itching and creating all this stuff. He's like, you should just record it and create a blog. I was like, what the hell's a blog? What's a blog, right. I mean, you ask people today what a blog is and they don't know. Right. They're like, TikTok? Basically. I was like, no. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's when ideas and food started. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was 2004, like December 2004. Yeah. I, I feel like the culinary renaissance in America was started in like 2003 and went all the way to like 2009 or 10. Yeah, I, I would even take it a shade after that. But yeah, that- um, a lot of young chefs doing super creative things, especially in Chicago, like 2000. Four to 2008 was, I think, a huge pivotal moment in Chicago where you had young chefs doing super creative things outside the box of what the classical French restaurants of the time had been doing. Yep. And the amazing thing, what was going on in Chicago was different from New York was the chefs were supporting it um, and endorsing the people that had worked for them that are, you know, the it was almost like the passing of the torch. The older chefs were kind of like allowing, not allowing, but standing behind people that worked for him, endorsing it, saying, you know, this is great. And, and it was a, a big moment in Chicago those couple of years. And I feel like in New York, it was, you had that grip of those 
older chefs, older French chefs that, you know, okay. French food and any, anything put in a canister wasn't food. And there was a real pushback on the, you know, molecular gastronomy. Oh, sure. Thinking, Absolutely. You know, yeah. Um, and I think that that's where a, a, a site like yours and eGullet was super yeah, pivotal I mean, and important because it gave an extra voice to young chefs looking for something different. Yep. You know, you worked at a couple of French restaurants. You're like, okay, I could go here and I could kind of learn the same thing, but different or what's this guy Grant Eckett's doing? Yep. Like, wow, this is really cool. This is interesting. You yep. know, you know, El Bouli had just started to get the momentum where you were reading about it everywhere now. And it wasn't something that you heard about whispers in, in back hallways, you know? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I, it was an interesting time. I mean, we, we, we were there we, we, and we were sharing ideas and, we didn't really realize people would actually look at it. Like mm -hmm. we just started doing it as, as a digital notebook and yeah. then people started reaching out. I mean, I mean, that's, that's where we started to meet people and you know, it, it, it transitioned from eagle to ideas and food. Mm -hmm. And got, I mean, that's, that's how we met a lot, a lot of people. I mean, that's, that's, that's ideas and food. And we were still working at the, at Kia Grande through 2006. Um, and that was your last, that's your last kitchen job. <sighs> last restaurant gig. I guess we'd say last restaurant gig. I mean, yeah. uh, I've, I've been well, besides the, what you're doing now, but the last restaurant gig, real chef making menus, changing, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, though there, there'll be an ish to that. So after we left Colorado, we, again, we drove cross country back, back home. Uh, when we lived in Colorado, we'd actually drive back once, once a year mm -hmm. uh, for a month at a time. We were, it was shut down during mud season. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we could do the drive from Colorado to New York in 36 hours. It's not bad. No, not stop. Really good. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, no GPS, printed out paper, 90, yeah. 90 pages of MapQuest printed out. <laughs> uh, so it, we, it, it, the Garmin had just started hitting. Uh -huh. Like that, we, like we, we, there was the early days of Garmin. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Um, but then we got, we got back east and kind of didn't know what we were going to do. Still had ideas and food, but it was it was still just it was it was a, it was a blog. It was it was that's what it was. Um, but people started reaching out to us about, you know, are you guys going to teach this stuff? Or are you, can we you know do something? So we started back then. We we would we started putting up uh, classes, there were workshops, yeah. workshops mm -hmm. uh, on the website, and we we're going to do one on Sunday. Uh, this one's going to be on breaking down a whole pig, and then on then the following week we're going to do one on uh, pasta making. And they sold a little bit, mm -hmm. but when we when we put the classes out there on how to work with hydrocolloids, they sold out like in hot in, in, like in, a, in a hot minute. Yeah, uh, because we were we had the time in Colorado to to really work with things and tinker and explore and develop and understand the ingredients or get an understanding of it. And then people wanted to know how to you know let, let's let's take I guess the the, the curtain open the curtain and, and see how the magic mm -hmm. actually works. Um, now was that was that in a like an aha moment of like hey we're doing pig butchery we're doing all these classic things we're doing sauce make pasta making and then you do something modern like we're going to show you how to use all these stabilizers for textures and it sold out like yeah. were you like okay we need to lean more towards this or you just were doing things that were interesting to you we were just doing stuff that was I interesting feel like to you've us. always just done things that are interesting to you and there's no fucking rhyme or reason there's and you're like. Oh, Alex is making donuts now. And everybody's like, yeah, okay. You know, yeah. Makes no fucking sense. And the, the culinary world is like, yeah, well, it sounds fire, man. I can't wait, you know? So um, how has that, I don't want to say you 
saying you don't give a fuck isn't the right thing because you you do. You I care, do. Absolutely. You care a lot about the process. Yep. You care a lot about the minutia that goes into it. You care a lot about um, problem solving. You care a lot about failing. Yep. I think you and I look at failure as a good thing, you know? Yeah. Which it, I learned along the way is like you need failure in order to like get the data to how to try to fix mistakes. So yep. how has that influenced the blog, everything that you've done post Colorado, what your thinking is now? Mm. I mean, it, it's it's been a lot. I mean, so what, 2006, I said we'd never go back east again or west again. Uh, a friend of ours, Steve Stallard from Bliss Caviar, uh, a friend of his knew somebody who knew somebody. We ended up going back uh, west in 2007 to run a private ranch for the season mm -hmm. uh, in Montana. Gorgeous. If you haven't been in Montana, go to Montana. Yeah. Um, we came back from that and now really didn't know what to do with ourselves. And that's, that's when the classes really started picking up. Yeah. Um, we started the, and that's when we turned ideas and food from just ideas and food into a consulting company. Yes. Actually turned it into a proper company. Um, started working with chefs and companies and stuff like that and uh, doing private workshops and classes for chefs. Besides just the, the stuff we put on the website, people would actually do private sessions. And what what was great and it just, this speaks directly to failure is on a couple of levels. One is people came to see us because we'd already made a lot of mistakes. So then we could then teach through the mistakes and be like, okay, this is this like we've 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 done it. We've 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 mm -hmm. screwed it up completely. But also, when you're a chef in a restaurant, you're looked at as infallible. So how does somebody infallible go and learn? Right. So what would happen? And there's a lot of ego involved in that too. Hundred percent. Yeah. But chefs that actually want to excel find a way to learn. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was they'd reach out to us and then we would do private workshops. So nobody knows they're actually visiting ideas mm -hmm. and food. And we'd spend two, three, four days together yeah. and they'd leave. And again, it was always an ongoing thing. If you have any questions, let us know right. and, 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 and go from there. Mm -hmm. um, and we've, you know, that, that was, that was the model. I mean, and some people happily promoted that they, they spent time with us and some people was happy to, sure. to say, they didn't. Mm. Uh, but I always looked at ideas and food as a failure-based company. Right? We get paid to fail. Uh, it's a great way to look at it. It is. Yeah. But it hurts some days. I mean, it's... I, I, I think I struggle, Ryan, often in the sense that we have always been on the edge, on the peripheral, peripheral, periphery, periphery of things. Um, so those that need to find us can find us. Um, we are referenced a fair amount, but I don't think we're referenced as much as we probably should be. Uh, I don't think the hat tips enough in our direction uh, over the years. I mean, I've always said we put give the ideas out there for free, and we do, but it's nice to every once in a while be like, hey, I got this from, right? right? Hey, these guys should actually catch the, catch the glory. Mm -hmm. um, and do I say that for financial reasons? Maybe it would be nice, but... Also, it makes you feel good when somebody says, hey, I learned it there as opposed to, I don't know. Um, but that's it. We, we, you know, we, still, we still do what we do. I mean, ideas and food, I think as the blog itself, we don't write much on it these days. We, we use it. I, I think social media helped kill our blog. Pretty much. Uh, that and COVID. Mm -hmm. um, it still exists. We still post things now and again on it. But we use social media, um, Instagram. Twitter-ish these days, but um, I still want to bring it back. I haven't figured out how to do it, but we started 
um, where was I? Yeah, so we, we did the, uh, what, 2008 is when we started the company and our daughter was born um, then as well. Let me think, yeah, we started the company and then our daughter was born. Uh, and then we started like, oh shit, now what do we do? And that, that's when we, again, through, through dumb luck, you know, we started writing cookbooks as well. Um, the, the, the blog county gave us some substance. Right. Uh, and um, I got a, through, through ideas and food, Mike Anthony reached out to us to borrow a circulator for Gramercy um, because his had gone down uh-huh. and knew we had it. And so I, I gave it to him and loaned it to him for a while. But he knew uh, Rika Alanique, who is, was a publisher or was an editor at Clarkson Potter. And when she started talking to Mike about, I need like a sciencey food book. There you go. And that's how that's how the introduction happened for ideas and food. And that yeah. that, that sort of started that right. that bit of things. As I well. feel like there is a great amount of people in the industry right now who know exactly who you guys are that came up with you with the blog that were there in the beginning yep. that came to you for questions and answers. You've helped out so many people. And then I feel like we're in this kind of quagmire of a space where the rest of the half of the industry has no fucking idea who you guys are, what you've done. I mean, just the cooks that I've talked to, like, yep. dude, you got to go to ideas and food. Like, what's that? Like, yeah. how do you not know? Well, like, that, and, and that's it. So like our, our first book, Ideas and Food, it sold relatively well in the world of book thing. But I thought it would have sold like, you know, tons and tons. I mean, it's a small book. It's more- but it came out, it came out in the era of flashy, big, yep. you know, overproduced pictures, yep. sterile, stark white, the French laundry being like the, 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 the pivotal yep. kind of like echelon of when cookbooks came. When I first saw the French laundry cookbook, it, it changed everything for me. I still think, I still think the French laundry cookbook as a whole is probably the best cookbook that's ever been. I, I agree. I remember the day it came out, the chef I was working for brought it and we all had to wash our hands and wanted to touch it. And we just flipped through it. I, I was like, I didn't know. First of all, I, you know, you have something inside of you and, and, and I'm cooking and I'm working at these bistros, I'm slanging food and I know my station needs to be clean, but I, I don't know how. Right. I know things need to be labeled and dated, but I don't know how. We have some containers have lids, some don't, some fit. We're wrapping everything in plastic and poking holes in it. Um, you know, I want my plates to be nice and, and, and tight and clean, but I, I, I don't know how to do that. I've never been shown or the people I've worked with, I, I haven't found that path to get there. Yep. And the French Laundry couple came out like, oh, this is fucking how you do it. Yep. And I was like, I have to work at this restaurant. Like, and I've, I read that thing cover to cover. How many times have I read that thing cover to cover? Yep. And there's things that I do today that Thomas instilled in me in 2001. Yeah. That are how I operate a kitchen, the organization, the cleanliness, the, 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 the time you sweep the, the, the line, the time you sweep the line, how many times you sweep the line, how you wipe your station down after. Like those things are like ingrained in me because of that restaurant, that cookbook. Right. So I think your book came out in that time of we have this, this new kind of way cookbooks are being looked at, these yep. coffee tables, yep. these, these huge symphony of books. And yours came out with more information. Yeah. And more data and more like clever ways to look at things than any of those books ever had. It was like, oh yeah, you know, it doesn't have any pictures. In it's it. got no pictures. It's I got actually, no pictures. I, I, I actually have to work for this one. Yeah, yeah. But if you go back, and, I mean, it, it's and then you know our, our our second book, Maximum Flavor, I think also brilliant. But that one sold, unfortunately, less than the other one. Like right. these are books that that should have sold. 
again, I'm, I'm not really good at marketing. I'm not really good at like putting our, our, ourselves out there to, to you know, hire someone to do that. You're not supposed to be good at marketing. Right. But so, I mean, that, that the whole thing is, is, is when you write a book, when you're, when you're self-employed, like there's not lots of dollars. Like yeah. I, I we, we've never figured out how to make the, the millions. Like it's, it's, it's always, it's still a hustle. Mm-hmm. Like every day is a hustle, Ryan. I mean, it, it's, I, I, I wish I could say donuts, but donuts are not making millions. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we'll get to the donuts in a minute, but, but um, but that, I mean, that, that's it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's always been a hustle. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, if I could find a harder way to do it, I probably would do it. But, you definitely would. But it, but it's, it's not smart, but I mean, like, I mean, that, I guess that's it too. Like I would think every once in a while, like the hat tip, Someone would be like, "Hey, these guys could use some bucks. Wouldn't it be nice?" Right, you, right. You, you know, the money tree. Fucking, I keep shaking it, but nothing's falling yeah. out. Um, <laughs> but do you think you do that to yourself? It, it could be self-inflicted, uh, and yeah. or or it could just be the time is still not right. Yeah, could yeah, could be both. Uh, but you know, I like you know, I fought. So our cook, our first cookbook came out. Like I fought for when it went. I wanted to, like I wanted to get get it for the fall season, right? No, instead it was published three days after Christmas. Who's I buying a fucking book three days after Christmas? Man, yeah, like there's got to be before Thanksgiving or put it out in spring, you know, right, or something, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the the shittiest public, like, and they wouldn't move it. They would nothing. That's so, crazy. So, how am I going to succeed? Like, there there's certain things that you can control and certain things you can't. Yeah. Uh, looking back, so it's impossible to do this in hindsight. Is always twenty twenty, but where we're at in the technology world now. And looking back to where your website was when you first built it. Yeah. What have you learned along the way? And what would you do different? If you're thinking about relaunching it, is TikTok and video and the the, the reels, is that something that you'd want to entertain? Or would it still just be an information website, pictures? This is how we're attracting industry people. How do you attract more people into knowledge about food and, and cast a wider net than the small group that you're screaming to already? You know, I, first, I, I, know, I don't think we ever screamed. I think we just, we're, we're, we're talking and, and every once in a while somebody would listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at video as a pain in the ass. So I'm probably not gonna touch it with a 10 foot pole. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if, if you wanna find some, 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 some janky video, there's actually an ideas and food page on YouTube. Worth can't wait with some with some with some old videos. I can't, I can't wait to pull that up. <laughs> um, so we we did video a little bit, but it, it it was it was time consuming, and I didn't always find the the juice. Like I I didn't want to sit sit there and, and watch Acura myself do whatever it is. Right. I mean, I'd rather have been hands on with people. And I watch all the stuff that exists now, and I was like, I don't know. We're the the human brain is is starving for something, but we're we're not getting it. It's 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 just an ongoing scroll and consumption. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, if it's we, pretty mindless, you know. It's very mindless. Yeah. So, you know, again, it goes back to the the book that you actually have to read to get the information out mm-hmm. of, as opposed to just sitting there and maybe you know, matrix it and put the thing in the back of your head and right. download it. Yeah. Um, or we just read headlines now. If not, not even that. Not even that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's. Uh, so if we relaunched, I don't know, but I I think I think. Um, I think a lot of things, but I guess I think donuts allowed us to to put ideas and food into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, not the way that you would have thought per se, but if, if you look at it, 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 it 
it really is an extension of what we've always done. It's just circular. So why donuts? I mean, you're the kind of guy, you have so much knowledge in that brain. You're smarter than your own good. You're an amazing teacher and instructor and guide. And out of everything you could possibly have done in the world, you chose to do donuts. Well, first of all, I'm blushing. <laughs> well, it's all true, though. Uh, but second of all is it goes back to I didn't know any better. I really like donuts. I think I've always liked donuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say who doesn't like a donut, but I've, got, I've had lots of people tell me I don't fucking like donuts. That's bullshit. I was like, well, you're just an asshole. Right. Also, try one of, try one of these donuts. <laughs> but uh, so and, and I think there's been an underlying dough fetish. Um, pasta is a whole other story. We mm-hmm. talked about that for days. But with, with, with donuts, there's actually in the, in the first cookbook, there's a, a sourdough donut. Um, in Maximum Flavor is the original um, brioche donut, no-need brioche donut, um, which uh, was inspired by um, years ago. We went to do a, a presentation at the CIA, uh, Francisco Magoya, um, brilliant pastry chef. Um, and at, he was teaching there up there at the time. But he asked us to come up there, uh, and he he was he was using the apple pie bakery was his his forum for creating. Um, he was actually one of the first people, I think, one of the first to, to actually deep fry croissants. But it wasn't a cronut back then; it was literally just a deep, deep fry croissant, croissant yeah. which is super delicious because it's still light and airy uh, and not pounded on. Yeah. Um, but he made us um, two brioches in this big thing, and, and he's like, "Which one do you prefer?" And I was like, "I like this one." He's like, "Well, that's actually your brioche." I was like, yeah, but it, it t- tastes you know, super, you know, decadent. He's like, well, it's 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 your your brioche, but I I doubled the butter in it. I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Who would have thought to double the right. butter in brioche? And brioche, yeah. Um, so I took that idea and put it in my back pocket, uh, and I was like, that'd be a great for uh, a donut. And that's what it became the 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 um, no need brioche donut in maximum flavor, mm-hmm. and that had the the buttermilk lime glaze, which right, was yeah. the original signature of things. Um, so how did it become donuts? We were we had lived in Levittown, Pennsylvania, and we were moving up to New Ham- moved up to New Hampshire. Uh, and we had a, a new workshop space there and we had the consulting and we're we're finishing up um, cookbooks with some chefs. Uh, but when people saw that we were in New Hampshire, they were less likely to come there to do workshops because they thought New Hampshire was in the middle of nowhere. It is. It is, but it's not. It's, you, you still get there. You still get there by an airplane and have to drive. Like, it's this. You, you don't have. You don't need a rocket ship yet. Um, but uh, due to a series of unfortunate events, we ended up. We were. We were. We were transitioning back to Pennsylvania, um, and on one of the trips down, uh, we were looking at houses and. In Stockton, New Jersey, there was this great farmers. It, it was an indoor farmers market, one of the first indoor ones around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had done some book signings there, and you had used to used to go there. Uh, we took a mai up there for macaron, and there was a barbecue place and a pizza place. And uh, I'd always liked it, and I was always I was like, we should do try and do pasta here, but they had like a, a pasta vendor already oh, there, so yeah. I, that mm-hmm. was not going to happen. But we went in there, and, and I saw an ice cream machine in the back for sale, like a, a Capriciani ice cream machine, and I, was, I I knew the market manager, so I was like, I'm going to get this thing for cheap. Yeah. So I went up to her and I talked to her, and she's like, "Yeah, the ice cream people have just left. They're selling it." And I was like, "How much do they want for it?" And she's like, "Twenty eight thousand dollars." I was like, "Later." 
I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's only that's, that's, two grand. <laughs> that's only twenty nine thousand more than right. I have. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's like, yeah, they, they they left, but there's there's a space opening up. And I was like, really? I was like, well, we're moving back to the area, right? Okay, we we're moving back there. We're, okay, we're looking at houses down there. Yeah. We're, we're, um, yeah, and, and and I was like, all right, well, I'd love to do frozen custard, not scooped ice cream, but but classic frozen custard. And she goes, well, what else are you gonna do besides frozen custard? Because Obviously, the ice cream people just went out of business. So yeah. you need something else besides that. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Donuts? Donuts? <laughs> <laughs> and she liked it. And so then I talked to the owners of the place, and they're like, they like donuts. And they, they knew they knew Dreesen's. Uh, Dreesen, if, if you've, uh, I don't know Dreesen's. Dreesen's is out on uh, in East Hampton. Mm-hmm. Um, so of, of uh, you know, Martha Stewart and Ina Gartner fame, there was a, this, this deli. Uh, and they had a donut robot in the window, no and, and then and they, they they were dropping donuts, and and all the all the all the fancy rich folks would be getting these donuts in a greasy paper bag, you know, yeah. cinnamon sugar or powdered sugar. Donuts or? Yeah, they, look, look, a hot donut is always a good donut. Yeah, correct. I, I, I mean, people that sell hot donuts are cheating. Yeah, I mean that. that it's not fair. It's not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so anyway, we 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 said this was at the end of August in 2015, and we, mind you, we still live in New Hampshire. So that weekend, I committed to us opening up the first weekend in October, uh, a donut shop in the Stockton Farmer's Market. Mm-hmm. We still lived in New Hampshire. Okay. So uh, we opened up Curiosity Donuts that first weekend in October. Uh, I commuted from New Hampshire to Jersey slash, it's right on the Pennsylvania border. an hour, 20 minutes, an hour? What is that? Yeah, good seven hours. Uh, Wait, what? You drove seven hours? Yeah. So I, uh, we had family in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. So that's where I, where I could stay. Uh, I set this whole, the, the whole, you know, it was a shared communal kitchen in the back. I set it up. Um, Would you put a bed in there too? Or made I a little could, apartment for yourself? <laughs> I should have. But yeah, so we, we, start, we, started, we started Curiosity Donuts. Uh, you know, Curiosity Donuts stemmed from, obviously, the ongoing curiosity from uh, ideas and food, always asking questions, but also I was reading uh, Brian Glazer's uh, A Curious Mind, mm-hmm. which was about his curio- uh, curiosity conversations. So the kind of things all kind of, again, connections, right? Things smashed together. Right. Um, and then that, that first weekend, um, we'd, we, we were opening up and, and we were writing about it on Ideas and Food, this blog. I'm not sure if you heard of it. Yeah. Uh, but Tejo Rao from, uh, she now works for the New York Times, at the time was writing for Bloomberg, reached out to us. So she... Uh, had always read the ideas and food. Mm-hmm. Um, saw that we were, we were doing this and was curious as hell. She's like, why the hell are you guys doing donuts? Uh, but we reached out and came down and, and interviewed us and came and took pictures and wrote this huge glowing review about our donuts. Yeah. And that kind of lit a fire on a, a, under everybody. So we had people come from New York and Philly and sure. Jersey yeah. and mm-hmm. that kind of lit up. You know, that was like, holy shit, Curiosity Donuts is, is, is something. And it's still you traveling seven hours. Yeah. So, so again, I, I thought if we opened a, a business in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, our house would magically sell immediately because you know karma's good like that. Mm-hmm. Karma gave me the finger, and yeah. so I ended up commuting for seven months. Um, Jesus Christ. Man. Yep. And we finally sold the house, and moved down, uh, and then we. Uh, had curiosity donuts, and again back then we had we had we had a vanilla yeasted dough, a chocolate yeasted dough. Um, we started with this donut called a drop donut. I was originally going to use there, there was a donut robot in the back of that kitchen that I was supposed to use, 
and I turned it on and like I cleaned it all because it was a janky yeah, open. Sure. And then turned it on and it, it powered up, right? But I didn't really test it. I just saw that there was power. Uh, so the day, of, the, the, the like opening morning, right? <laughs> I turned it down. No. <laughs> opening morning, I turned the thing on and the fucking thing fritzes out. Like it's not working. There's, there's a couple other fryers in the back. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to fire oh, one of these. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, and so... Uh, my my dropped on it was supposed to you know come out of a, out of, out of a, a robot to whatever it is my other bunch were, were rolled and yeasted and that was fine, but uh, yeah so I, I put it in a pastry bag it looked like a big long hot dog. <laughs> um, that donut actually went on the shelf pretty quick and then we started doing uh, apple cider donuts mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it was it was it was crazy um, first year and then um, I was doing a dinner out in Kansas City. Um, organized, uh, started by uh, Bonjuring Lee, and then uh, Viet Pham was there, and Eric Booner Yang, uh, as well as uh, the uh, Contra Boys were, were there mm-hmm. as well. And um, I, of course, was doing donuts. Uh, I did donuts, I actually did pasta. I did uh, right. I did two courses, yeah. I did I did full-size donuts as menu D's, and then <laughs> I, I, <laughs> And I did, I did, I did pepperoni bolognese with, yeah. uh, with, with, with pumpkin and, and cocoa noodles. Right. But uh, Eric had worked with Whole Foods, this friends program where he had done, put some ramen shops inside Whole Foods and he put me in contact with them. They came and checked out the donuts and that's how we ended up in the Whole Foods in Springhouse, Pennsylvania. Right. I mean, long story short, like we're, we're, we're speeding things up just a little bit, but uh, you know, Curiosity Donuts, as I said, was, it started with a couple doughs and we officially, I guess, closed the doors in, in Whole Foods this past July, July 3rd, uh, with t- running 24 different doughs. Wow. Yeah. I'm my worst fucking nightmare. Oh, fuck. So 24 different doughs, you know, 20 odd different, probably more than that, glazes and crumbs as well. Um, so where, where, where are your donuts now? So our donuts are in, in the world on hiatus. Um, we're, we're barring uh, some friends' kitchens. To uh, be able to do donuts and pop, or, you know, do pop ups and, and donut shops. Mm-hmm. So we're 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 currently looking for a, a, a space. But you know, we we, sh- we shut down again. I, we just we just went from from start to finish in in you know blink of an eye. But it was it was seven years nonstop of of insanity. Um, and I, I I really burnt burnt us burnt us out um, and needed a break. And and this past June, yeah, I guess it was June. Aki was like. I'm gonna give you two days. You got this date or this date? I was like, "What are those?" She's like, "You're closing the shop." I was like, oh, "What?" And it, it was, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was getting up at 1:30 in the morning. Our daughter was putting me to bed at five o'clock. At time night. to make the donuts, man. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we, we shut down, uh, on hiatus, and then I started making donuts again. Made, why don't like, you just hire? Why don't you just hire a staff, and have them make it? You oversee it. Um. I wish I was better at it. Yeah. But couple things um the hours suck bananas so not many people want to do that mm-hmm. um again I, I and we did have staff we had, had a, a chef for Springhouse. i mean we opened up a second shop in down in virginia we did that that ran yeah, for a in dc yeah yeah in, DC yeah, in tyson's corner yep. yeah right uh but uh and our chef there was great and then you know we, we made it through covid okay uh but he got a job working for the white house and so I couldn't replace him in the t- short period of time. And so we ended up, it was easier just to shut it down. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we had staff in, in, in Springhouse as well. We had 
you know, we wonderful high school kids would, would sell the donuts and, sure. and uh, Cynthia was the chef there. Uh, and she also burnt out, but you know, the, the space was limited. I couldn't, I couldn't get any more refrigeration space. I couldn't get any more, I couldn't get larger equipment. So you'd, you know, you'd, we have 24 different doughs. Why not do eight different doughs? It's not interesting. It's not interesting. I knew you were going to say that. And that's, that's in a nutshell, that's who you are. Why are you doing donuts? Because I'm interested in it. There's no fucking rhyme or reason why you're making donuts. No, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I am a tinkerer. Yes. And, 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 but, but, and, and that's what it is, 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 is I like to tinker and I don't know where I'm going, but when I get there, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good once, once I'm there. But do you think you like to tinker until you're bored with it and you're on something else? Mm. No, because I haven't gotten bored of donuts yet. So maybe I just haven't tinkered enough. Okay. Um, but I, I, it, it's, it's so magical to see what can happen with dough. Um, and, and the glazes and the crumbs. But, you're, but you're, you have special donuts. So I was telling Preston that me and Matthew came to see you. Yeah. We ordered, we bought a dozen donuts. Yeah. And we sat outside the Whole Foods. We ate a dozen donuts. And then we got up, said goodbye to you, and then drove back to Philly and then went for lunch. Yeah. Like, if I told anybody in the world that I ate a dozen donuts, they'd be like, are you, how are you still alive? Yeah. So... I know that you use, you're still using rice oil to fry them, or so. So, uh, rice bran oil yeah. we started with. Um, we we ended up transitioning to sunflower seed oil, mm-hmm. uh, but then uh, ended up going back to rice bran oil because of the war in the Ukraine. So, uh, most sunflower seed oil right now is coming or was coming from the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, but but oil prices in general, I mean, not for. I mean, the, the cost of goods. Mm-hmm. Is, I mean, you, but, I mean, we could talk. It's so ridiculous. But but my oil used to be $37 for five gallons. It's now $68. Yeah. Like you just start doing the math. And like I I had to raise my prices and I should raise them more, but I I, I want the donuts still to be that approachable luxury. Like I want people to enjoy it and be like, this is magical. Right. You know, you've got all these other places out there that you know, Dunkin' Donuts and other donut shops, their donuts keep getting smaller and smaller, smaller and they taste the horrible. It keeps going down. You it can does. tell this was made weeks ago and frozen. Or something like or that. Whatever or whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the yeah. oil's not clean. It, uh-huh. it's, it, but it's really, it's frustrating to me to see the success of mediocrity. I mean, that's the world that we're in right now. So, but, but, so then how, how am I supposed to, like, I mean, that's it. Like, I, I wake up every day and, and frustrated with that, but driven to make something magical. Right. So, where's that, where's the happy medium then? Like, where, there is no happy medium. I guess medium. we can get into the, the the war and the supply chain issue and post COVID and, and inflation. Um, where, where does it go when you have to sell a donut for eight bucks? Where you go into a restaurant, okay, but, a but, bistro, but, but, and but a, that's it. There, there in New York, there are people selling donuts for eight fifty. Yeah, and being okay with it. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. Like that's the problem. Right. I mean, you, the you, demand is not going to be there. You know, donuts the, are going to become a special occasion thing for some people. But, know? but you know, I, like I, I want, like, I don't want everyone to have to, to, to eat a dozen donuts at, at a clip, right. but I do want you to ha- maybe get six and then do a donut tasting. Like that's why we have all these different doughs yeah, and people, and you ask, you know, why 24? Well, you really like this, this, and this. I like this, this, and this yeah. Preston, he likes these. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's it. Like part of it was uh, also, so you asked, you know, why would you why'd you keep coming up? Part of it, I think, was was to increase sales too, right? Because 
in Whole Foods, all I could sell was donuts. So how do you make, you know, like, sure, you can put a new glaze on something, but that's not new. That's right. that, that, that's putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah, right. Here's the same donut, just in different colors. Right. As opposed to here's 24 <laughs> different textures and, and it, cooking times and... Experiences. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Experiences. And, yeah. and, and that's like, uh, you travel for experiences. Mm-hmm. I think I travel inside my head for experiences. Right. I mean, that's a vast world universe of knowledge and, and, and fun and chaos chaos and they're, nightmare they're, yeah i was gonna say nightmare and insanity but but that's it like when when we can when we can make something that is that really make like i mean a a, a donut a good donut should really make you smile yeah you should be able to eat a really good donut and, and realize that the shit you've been eating and i think we've all had those moments with food i remember the first time that I had like a real well done burger that was you know medium rare and the beef was great and the lettuce was perfect and I remember that moment of oh I can't go back you can't or like buying my buying my first pair of like designer jeans and the way they felt and the way that it's like oh I just paid a hundred dollars for a pair of jeans like that's the new norm now yep you know I'm not going back to J C Penney anymore this is this is it like, right and we all have those moments and I feel like especially your well a lot of things that you do. Pasta is another, you know, we worked on pasta together for so long and yep. it inspired me to open a pasta restaurant. Yep. So I feel like you have that, that magic to kind of like take something so simple and so stupid and something that's been, you know, bastardized over the years and make it so special and turn people onto it. Yeah. But is that enough for you? What's going to be next after that? Really? It, it's. I know it's a loaded question because you might not have it, but it gets to the no. point of what you know. Where where's where are you going? I, where I, are you going? I don't know where I'm going per se. I I know I still want to get more donuts in more people's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I find I think pure disgust. Like people people are like, oh, why don't you have lots of investors? Well, one is 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 probably I couldn't deal with investors, but people don't really knock on our door. Mm-hmm. You know, like people are like, why don't you have lots of people knock? I don't. I don't think they they're all out there knocking on everyone's door. I think, as I said, we're we're on the peripheral periphery, right? We're, we're I don't. Um, but that said, I think investors as a whole would cloud the waters unless you found somebody that was just as passionate about donuts. Right. Um, and I mean, and the return on investment on donuts it can't be that great unless you have a hundred of them. Yeah, and, and I mean, there's there's different levels of it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean. You look at my model and it's, you know, who's going to say yes to 24 different doughs? Like that's, but that's why we're different. I mean, uh, but yeah, so I, I still want more donuts. I want, I want pasta too. So, I mean, so back in, back in the day at Stockton Farmer's Market, when we had, you know, started things off, I actually, we created what we called American noodles, which was on Friday nights at the farmer's market, we would do a pop-up uh, pasta place. So, indoor farmer's market that's open two and a half to three days a week. We then would do a pop-up noodle shop inside our donut shop in a farmer's market, yeah. uh, which was great. So we do, uh, you know, three to four not noodle dishes, um, four or five noodle dishes, and then we'd have our, 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 our frozen custard as, mm-hmm. as dessert with uh, occasionally have a donut as well. Uh, as you say, so I, I still want it. I still love donuts by day and noodles by night. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So you think you'll go back to noodles or? Yes. What's wrong with, let me just, I'm just spitballing here. Um, why don't you work on 
getting your doughs into the frozen market where people can, you know, take the dough out of the freezer, rise it themselves, deep fry it themselves, sell it the glazes, like do it yourself donuts at home. Like if you're thinking about what, okay, let me, that's, let me scratch that. Let me ask a better question. If you want to expand curiosity donuts Mm -hmm. in your mind, in a perfect world, money's no object. You you can get as many spaces as you want. What, What does that look like? An expansion for you? I think it's people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, money's no object. We, we have to think about money. I mean, that's the problem. But but it, but it, it's it's a hub and spoke model, and it's finding passionate people that want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the the secondary model is 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 connecting with uh, chefs who have you know restaurants, but do nothing with the space until five o'clock at night. Right. Correct. For be, whatever reasons, lunch doesn't work in that neighborhood or, or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, lunch, lunch doesn't work anywhere. It's, it's, yeah. it's, but, but if you actually have something that's, that's, that's good, I mean, that's, that's the problem, right? I mean, you make something that's amazing, and I think what we make is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's revolutionary and groundbreaking. Um, it's just a lot of work. I mean, that's, that's, people are like, you know, how do you, I don't know. It's, it's, but yeah, I, Yeah, I mean, I'd like to do more. I mean, I've spent the past, what, four months or so retooling basically everything that we've done mm-hmm. to make it more, even more efficient. I, I mean, I, I think I'm efficient, but there you, once you start adding things into it, it becomes... What starts taking away? Um, but, but also part of it was the time. Like, I, I realized that a lot, I, I'd have to spend a lot, like, I'd have to get in there and actually roll some doughs to get them fried. So that's, that's, a, that's a two-hour window that... You've got to be there to get things rolled so that you can get it cooked. Yeah. So I've reformulated stuff and created new stuff so that you can now walk into the donut shop and just start frying. Yeah. So that 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 means you don't have to be there at two in the morning. You can be there at five in the morning. Right. Those are three magical hours. You wait. Well, why can't you sell donuts in the afternoon though? You can. Yeah. I mean, you'll sell them till about. I mean, at Whole Foods, we would sell them until about five o'clock, yeah. four or five o'clock. Mm-hmm. I mean. Depending on how it was, it would ebb and flow. But the the, the best days you'd be sold sold out by two to three o'clock. Right. I mean that's that's a good time. Yeah. Now that every, that way everyone's where they want to be. I mean I think our donuts have about an eighteen to twenty four hour window. Mm-hmm. I think after that it's it's a it's a fresh product. I mean the people that are selling, you see all the stuff that's being sold and it's you know multiple days. You got all this. It's yeah. not. It, I mean you're, you can look at a donut and be like that's stale as fuck. Yeah, but I mean, and, and I've got people that say, you know, two, three days later, they'll still love the donuts. I was like, that's fine, but I don't still love the donuts. So I'm not, you know, people are like, do you sell daily donuts? I was like, no. Right, right. I mean, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I again, my, I'm, my, I'm my, my own worst enemy. I agree. I think we, we all are sometimes. I didn't really know what that meant. Somebody, people kept telling me, you're, you're the one standing in your own way. Mm-hmm. And I never really understood what that meant. Probably the pandemic is when I learned a lot about myself and I realized like what that means and how, how I'm actually standing in my own way. You know, you convince yourself you don't want to do this. You self-sabotage in ways. Um, but I don't always think we know how we self-sabotage and I, I don't always think we know how to, to throw ourselves a lifeline. Or yeah, correct it. Yeah. We don't. Right. I, and, and I mean, that's, I think you made an interesting point and it goes back to a couple of things, but. Let's reference it. Like when you when you open the French Laundry Cookbook for the first time, you realized, okay, this is how you can actually label something, and this is how you can 
uh, store something and this is how you can cook something and this is how you can plate something. Mm-hmm. And, but it, but it's, it's seeing the details for the first time. Uh, what we're seeing today is in the modern era is everyone's seeing the results of all those details, but they're not putting in the time to get the, the, the knowledge base behind the details. Right. Um, and they don't know why the details exist. And some of the details don't make any sense at all. Um, but it's those details that make it special. You could go to Noma's Instagram page and you can recreate their plating. Yeah. But you're so far removed from what actually went into that and how it tastes. And, and I think that's, the, that's where we're stuck in industry right now. Is there's, so, there's too much photos. There's, there's not enough left to the imagination of someone just bringing you a menu and being like here. Mm-hmm. And you have to like imagine what Pierre Garnier is doing mm-hmm. because someone explained a dish to you and said, oh, it was this grapefruit with asparagus and this pine nuts. And you're like, you kind of like visualize it and taste it opposed to just looking at the picture yep. and be like, okay, I know what that tastes like. Right. And you really don't. And I think, you know, I think today in a lot of cases, there's actually too many details and too many steps in too much mm-hmm. cooking. Too many buzzwords, too many buzz trends. But no, no, like I, I think people are, people say, everyone's saying that they don't have enough time to do everything. But if they pulled out seven of the steps and put the phone down for seven of the hours, it'd be magical to see how much more time we have. Right. But we're always afraid of missing out or we're afraid of not seeing something. Or, but if you, if you think back to every day that you've spent looking at for other things, how much good information have you actually gotten? Not much. No. Because there's too much. Yeah. That's where we're stuck. I mean, that's, I think these younger generations, it's too much information, you know, which bleeds into our everyday lives, which bleeds into politics. Like, I don't know what the fuck I believe anymore, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, there, but, but that said, you know, I still make 24 different doughs. <laughs> so when, when are you going to go back to pasta? Because that's how we connected. I yep. feel that's how we bonded. Like the first time I had met you or the first time we communicated was in, through eGullet. I was running a restaurant called Butter in Chicago in like 2005. Okay. And I followed you. I knew exactly what's going on. And you and I had some, I was, you know, I don't, I don't remember the, the details of what I was working on, but I was like, I, well, I want to make a, a, a foam a little bit more, texture a little bit more body yeah. i was having trouble with the egg whites and this and that i messaged you was like hey alex blah blah and i was like i'm i'm trying to make this this foam you know or this sauce this and that and yeah. you're like um you your response wasn't like and you're never the great thing about you is you never give a response like oh here's the answer try this recipe good yeah. luck you know it's never that it's always well ryan what is a sauce and then you listed <laughs> All these things that could, you know, a thin potato puree could be a sauce, a reduced demi-gloss could be a sauce, carrot juice with thickened with butter. But and I was like, okay, here, fuck, here we go, man. And you didn't give me the answer. You didn't even come close to giving the answer. But you took my train of thought from like, oh, I'm trying to fix this thing into, oh, stop thinking about that and think about all of these other things that you could possibly be doing besides this. And I was like, this guy's cool as fuck. I I don't know. I it, it depends, but the, again, that goes to connections. So, I think I have a great difficulty coming up with like okay. If you said come up with an idea right now, I was like, Psh. what's too broad for anybody? 
I, I, I can't we, do it. But we need to work inside of a box. No, we, we do. Yeah. Uh, in, in order to get out of a box, you have to start in a box. Yes. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm really good at, at connecting and putting things together. But I, we we need to, we need a starting point. But you give me a start. So think of it. I'm really good at making ice crystals, but I I, I need a a, a nucleation point. Mm-hmm. Once we have that, we're, we're, we're uh, yeah, I've correct. got you. I, I got you for days. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> So then, yeah, fast forward to Catbird is, you know, we, well, not even before Catbird, it was with Anthony Goncavis. Yeah. And uh, he's like, hey, Ryan, I want you to meet my friend, Alex. You're really going to love him. We're going to be doing some things together. And why don't you just, why don't you come down to New York? You work with us for a little bit and uh, we'll go from there. And I was like, okay, this is great. But when I was in Philly, me and Sholo came over to your house. Yeah. And he's like, ah, well, let's go see Alex. I'm like, oh, I like the in food. I'm like. Oh, fuck yeah, man. You just knocked on your front door. You answered the door and you're like, oh, hey, what's up? And we hung out. Yeah. We, we talked and he gave us a little tour of like the lab. And uh, yeah, that was like the beginning. It was 2014. And yeah. then we, we we met. We had some communications and yeah. he brought me back to help Anthony yeah. kind of help him out. And that's when we started making pasta. Yeah. And I was like, I fell in love with extruding pasta. I fell in love with Arco Belena and how yeah. the machines. and It's great. Yeah. Man. And then he came out to Capward and did a workshop with us, which was awesome. Yeah. I still have those notes that I flipped through. And uh, here we are right now doing a podcast. So podcast. you are, you know, I, I look back, I was telling Matthew, you know, we're opening a restaurant based around pasta. And I yeah. said, there's X amount of people super influential to get us to this point. And your name came up. It's like, if I didn't run into Alex, I don't know if I would have been this stoked about pasta. I don't know if I would have been you know, pasta to me was always a vehicle for sauce mm-hmm. and you turned it into, well, let's flavor the noodles. Let's yep. make them move our texture. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yep. And it, I kind of got really inspired by it. So awesome. Yeah. And when, if there's any problems with it and there's any, any failures, you can blame me too. I, I plan. Yeah, Good. Absolutely. Okay. absolutely. Yeah. So back to the question of, you know, after donuts, yep. what are you thinking about? What, what's exciting you right now? What, what trends in cooking are exciting you right now? Where, where do you see things going and not talking about, Staffing issues, supply chain issues, like where are we at with cooking? Where do you see it going right now? And what excites you that people are doing? I don't know. Um, Great answer. Let's just wrap up the podcast there. I think. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I, I think I'm so. Even even though you can see all this stuff out there, I. I I'm perplexed because I don't know how they're all, everyone's able to do it. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know how people are, able, you know, you've got people that are during the pandemic and afterwards saying, you know, they've got no money, no staff, whatever. And they, 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 they can barely survive. And yet they're still opening two more restaurants. Correct. I don't get it. Like it goes back to me going, man, money tree. Come on, man. Yeah. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't see it. I, 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 I I I I want to see more. Um, yeah, the, the rewarding mediocrity is really difficult. Um, I'd love to see more, I guess, high end or not high end, more. Wait, is it more famous? No. I would like to see the six. I would like to see the torch being passed, but not only being passed, but also getting people out of the way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. You've got, you've got restaurant groups or you've got big chefs that have 40 restaurants. Do you need 40 restaurants or right. could you maybe, I don't know, 
It, when, when's enough is enough. I don't know, right? I mean, that's that's it. And then you've got you've got you've got there's 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 people out there that have money or throwing it at. It's like how do they how do you how do you spread the wealth? Maybe right. I don't know. Right. I mean, that said, but that's because no one's throwing the money at me. Mm. When the money's thrown at me, it's like fuck everybody else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I think like what, what at least what I'm seeing is like it always starts with the trends always start with like the chefs like and I'm seeing smaller restaurants thousand square foot restaurants one menu this is our menu yeah I feel like we're not catering to fake allergies anymore yeah you know it's kind of like this is what we got there's 24 seats there's a line outside the door if you don't like the menu it's no problem yeah. you know someone else wants to sit here right you know? um, I, I mean I I do. I. I want. I, I guess I'd like to see people really happy about it. But I, I. I. still. A lot of folks I talk to are still struggling way more than the world wants to let on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got you've got oil companies making record profits, and the cost of oil for frying in is is it's the highest it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It, it's it's something's going to fall right. hard fast. Yeah. Um, I, as I said, I think I think pasta is, a, is 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 smart and solid. I think I think returning to really delicious, but I I I, I don't think we're see, we're we're not we're not in a creative mov- movement right now. No, I, we're definitely not. I mean, yeah. this this I is, said that but I said that a couple of weeks ago too. Everyone's just kind of uh, it seems we're asleep at the wheel. You know, we are we are everybody is just doom scrolling. Yes. Waiting for for someone to to do you know and I don't know what kind of ended I mean the rise and I don't even want to say fall but the rise and disappearance of El Vuli had such an impact on the restaurant industry. There's never been a group of people that have influenced an industry so much, and then when they left, like nobody cared anymore. Like they came in, we waited every year for the symposium in Madrid. Yeah. Here's a spirification. Yeah. Now go to your wherever and do it. And then, hey, we're closing the restaurant and no one does those techniques anymore. Or if they do those techniques, they're hiding them and using them for textures to elevate the flavor and deliciousness. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you still see some of them. You actually see it. It's funny enough. It, it, is, it is now, you know where you see it? Europe. TikTok. All oh, the, the home cooks and the, yeah. All the influencers are, are I mean, seriously, you, you see phones. They're just getting around to it. They're yeah. just getting to it now. I mean, I think the, the irony is, is, is the ongoing joke about our website, Ideas and Food, was that we were five to 10 years ahead of our time. Definitely. So the stuff that is popular now, you, you, you go back five, 10 years on, on Ideas right. and Food, you, you guys are doing it. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that was the move. But you go to a restaurant, you see a spiritification, you're just like, oh, fuck. Like if you sat down for a tasting menu, yeah. super excited, we're really excited you're here. You, you know, you, you're having your drinks, whatever, and the first course comes as a little spiritification. I'd be like, ah, oh, fuck, this is gonna be a long meal. It's gonna be a long meal, like, but but fuck. but but yet, yet they're, they're they're still doing it and 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 the like in Spain, and it's not it's not ah, great point. Do you think Spain is now stuck in the nouvelle cuisine that they fought against? You know. Ron's whole thing, everybody knows the famous thing. He, he was at Maxime's, was it Maxime, where he did the speech in front, asked what's creativity, and it's yeah. like coming up with your own thing. Like the world was the world was stuck in the 1970s, Nouvelle yeah. Cuisine, for, for as long as we know. Like yeah. American cuisine was just rehashed Nouvelle Cuisine. Yeah. And then 
Fran Adria and Albert Adria came along yeah. and they gave us these new textures, new everything. Yeah. Do you think Spain is now stuck in the era of El Bulli and they, they're in their way, they can't get out of them, they can't get out of their own way? I, I, I don't even look at what people in Spain are doing anymore. I, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen much, but I, yeah. I, catch, I catch a bit, bit, piece, bit here and there. I don't know. I, I, you understand what I'm asking? You know, yeah. it's like, they, yeah. are, are they I, stuck I, in that? And are they stuck in everything that they were always been trying to fight? But I think I think we're, we're we're all kind of you know. I think we're all sort of stuck there. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe just past it. Where so we fermented everything. Yeah. But everything. But fermentation's always been there. It's it has. Just, it, it has, but it's it's not. Yeah. I mean, it it is in 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 various forms. But mm-hmm. now, it's it's sort of fermentation is is the is the salumi movement of. Of, of of this time period, yeah. right? I mean, if you go back to what was it, nineteen nineties to two thousand five, everyone was making their own salumi. Yeah. Now, which was fermenting, right? Uh-huh. Now, now we're fermenting everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and is it bad or good? I don't know, but I often think that sometimes it's better off to let people focus just on that, and you buy it, and then mm-hmm. just sort of like I think that most. Homemade salumi is not better than the stuff that you can buy. I agree. Just like ketchup. You can make a good ketchup, but, you know, it's, it's, Heinz it's, makes really good fucking ketchup, man. Yeah, but they've got however many years of experience under yeah, their belt. Exactly. Right? And uh, also mass marketing and, you know, this is what we grew up eating. Exactly. Um, so I guess that's it. Anything else that we missed? What else do you want to talk about? Um, what's going on with your place? Ah, Iggy's. Yeah. It's being built right now. We're having, uh, we're going back and forth with some general contractors about getting the right price. You know, everything's so expensive. Um, nobody's looking out for your best interest but you, is what I realized through this whole process. Opening a restaurant is, I've never been on this side of it. I've always came on board as a chef or chef partner of something like, okay, here's the kitchen. This is the concept that's being built is where we're at. So I've never been on the front side of it, of finding investors, you know, designers, bringing them on, figuring out the voice and what we want to do. So it, it's been an extreme learning experience and it's really set up to make you not want to do it. So it, it's you and your brother? Me and my brother, yeah. Investors? Handful of investors. Handful being like five or like a, a bunch? Uh, I think we got about nine right now and we need to raise just a little bit more money. A lot of it's friends, a lot okay. of it's regulars of Capper. Okay. Um, and it's all, all people that are in it for the right reasons. We have a really great support group around us. We have an amazing landlord. Um, in Nashville, this neighborhood that we're in is bought up by huge development groups. Okay. Big, big development groups. Um, they put a Soho house in there. There's a pastis going in, in there. It's owned by AJ Capital, which is a huge firm around the country. And we lucked out. We got a guy that owns a building. There's so our restaurants on the sort of the ground floor, it's a little bit raised up. And mm-hmm. then there's five real, uh, retail shops, a high-end uh, furniture store, a textile company. Like he really curated the building okay. because he is wants to help Nashville grow. He's very passionate about the neighborhood that we're in. And um, he specifically wanted us to go in there. Like when we sent him over the deck, we met with them and then we sent over the deck and you know, the, the, the realtors I was working with, um, they're so great. He's like, hey, listen to this guy. Like he's really picky, you know, He's really hard to get a hold of. And I guess when they sent him the deck, he called him right away. He's like, I, I want to talk to these guys. So that's great. 
he's in our corner. Uh, he wants us to be successful. He's helping us as much as he can. And uh, there's, I think there's just a lot of good energy around it. You know, me and Matthew, we, we know what we want. We know what to do. We might not have the best ways of doing it. We're going to make a lot of mistakes, but our hearts are in the right place. We're opening this restaurant for the right reasons. Um, and I think, you know, being 45 and, and opening a restaurant's a lot different from having ambitions at 28 and wanting to do your own place. And yeah. I think what I know now of how this whole process works, it would have been, I would have failed miserably if I wouldn't, if I would have done it before then, I think. I, I, could, I could spend hours just going into the detail. You know, that, that, that's one of the interesting things is, is nobody really talks about how they find investors, how they find no. good people. No, no, no one is, is willing to do that workshop. No. And it's really and funny. Then, when I first started pitching investors, I was fucking so terrible at it. You know, okay, well, tell me about your concept. Oh, well, you know, uh, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know how to sell myself. I didn't know how to articulate the financial model the way it is. And after three, four miserable experiences, I, I, I learned talking to people. It's like, you, you got to be selling, man. You know, always be closing that that. Wall Street, they're right, you know. So, so okay, so let's let's talk about let let's talk about ABC. Yeah, which is right there, ABC. Yeah, but let's always be creative. Always be creative. <laughs> yeah, uh, but always be closing. So that was in Glen Glengarry and Glen Ross. Yeah, Glen Ross. But it was also in um, Boiler Room. Boiler Room. Yes. Uh, which which uh, who did it? Was which, 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 what did the phenomenal version of it? Which was um, was it Vin Diesel was in it? Vin Diesel was in it, yeah. but uh, it was. Shit, now I can't remember. He's not uh, the actor. No, uh, he's now married to J Lo. Um, oh, Ben Affleck. Yeah. Oh, Ben Affleck was in it too. Yeah, Ben Affleck. Yes. did that. He's the guy that said it. Yeah, he, he did the 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 um, the. Uh, it was an Alec Baldwin scene in, in Glengarry and Ross, mm -hmm. and he did that. Yeah, but there's a term called knowing, which goes back to the organization of things. Uh -huh. So knowing is taking anything and putting it in size and shape order, you know, systematically. So mm -hmm. if you were going to look at your uh, station every, and you wanted to uh, everything uh, always be knolling, you everything would be, you know, left to right. Everything would be square. Everything would be in size order from, from biggest to smallest. So there's a, uh, the artist, um, and I think he's now doing freaking Nike shoes, but Tam, uh, Tom Sachs, mm -hmm. uh, he has his 10 bullets, but one of them, one of the terms is, uh, is always be knowing, but he uses the Glengarry Glen Ross quote. So you've, you've got, you've got Alec Baldwin going always be, and then knowing. That's funny. That's <laughs> so great. You, you definitely want to look into it. So, but yeah. if you're a cook or, or beyond a cook, a chef or, and, and you want to look into the term knowing, um, I was really actually became, uh, I guess, clear about it after spending a, a, a dinner uh, out at Michael Botaccio's at uh, Inc. years ago mm. and how he had everything lined up and, and dialed in and I took a picture of how everything was and and and, and wrote about it. And that's when someone said, that's Noling. I was like, what the fuck's Noling? Yeah. I mean, Noling sounds like, you know, like phlegm. Right. <laughs> I had to, not to get over, I got extremely overwhelmed and it, it was early on, like um, during the pandemic, when I said, okay, I'm going to get serious about this. Let's, I'm back in Nashville. I have a great house here. I want to stay. Um, it got really overwhelming. And then you get overwhelmed and you get disinterested. You get afraid of it. And then I put it down. And then I'd go back to it. And what I realized I need to do is 
I need to take this whole opening a restaurant as like a pie or a cake. And right now I need to focus on this little slice to get into the rest of the pie. So right now I need to like, I need to build a deck and I need to like build a financial model. And that's all, don't worry about finding investors. Don't worry about what neighborhood it's gonna be in. Don't worry about what you're gonna serve. This is the only thing that I can focus on right now. And not to get overwhelmed, like until I get this done, I can't find investors. So worrying about where I'm gonna get investors doesn't really matter because I don't have the information to give that to them anyway. Right. So I said, okay, and then I got that. And then it was like, okay, now I have the marketing materials I need to go and start pitching this idea. Now it opened up to like calling people, getting in contact with people, then it was selling it. And then it was, now the next slice was, I need to find a space, which is a huge slice of it. I linked up with this realtors, Ojas in, in Nashville, and they're so great. And they took me to see all these, and it was like, that's all I could focus on. And then every once in a while, I'd start thinking of, oh, how am I gonna do this? And I'd get overwhelmed yeah. and I'd shut down. And I'd be like, just get back to this little slice. And that's what helped me throughout this whole process. You know, people are asking, well, what's gonna be on the menu? I was like, I, I won't, I'll write the menu the day before we open. That's, that's, that's the least, that's the easiest, that's the easiest part of all is the menu. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I could care less what's on the menu right now, you know? Um, and that's how I got through it. Um, and I'm still going through it. I'm just like, this is it, man. We're only focusing on this. And Matthew wants to talk about our first pre-shift meetings. Like, that's great. I'm glad you're thinking about these things. But right now, I need to focus on just the small wares budget because we're a little bit over budget. And I got to shave off, you know, like what... What toys am I going to get rid of? Right. Well, I can't get rid of that. I need that. Well, you know, I need everything. Yep. So something's got to go. And that's um, that's where it's at. Like it, it, it's a, a completely overwhelming process, especially if you're doing it by yourself. So here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. as, as, as you're looking at a restaurant, I don't even know the size, whatever it is. Are you looking at machinery to replace people? Thinking about it, yes. Wanting to do it, no. Not yet. The way to replace people is to have a small enough restaurant where you don't need a lot of staff. And this is places, it's 2,500 square feet. We've, I've modeled the menu. So we need three guys, three line cooks. That's it. I'll probably be one of those line cooks for a little bit in the beginning until we get our feet underneath us. We need an expediter. Um, I don't even know if we need a food runner. The servers can run their own food. Maybe one food runner on the busy nights. Um, so we need two people, prep people in the morning. So maybe we need five, six cooks, you know? And I don't know, I don't know the temperature of what's going on. I hear you can't find anybody, but I was just at Arco Belena and they're showing me that, oh, you can make stuff gnocchi with this machine. And if you want to make more pasta, you can do it. I was like, oh, fuck all this thing. We can, we can get you a program that's going to lower the baskets in and, uh, you know, take it out when it's done. I'm like, okay, I don't need that. That's cool, but yeah. I don't know if I need that right now. Um, that's an inter interesting question. I don't have an answer to it. It's something I'm thinking about. I don't know if this restaurant's going to be that, you know, um, is automation eventually going to take everything? I know if we can't find labor, that seems to be the normal transition of, I can't find humans to do this. So we have to, we're going to spend a little bit more money and get, you know, robots in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Is that going to help the labor shortage? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, I think that's that underlying thing is, is we talked about it earlier. Like my, my hours were so brutal that I had to do something to change right. because, you know, on the, on the, on the other side of the, the thing is people want things when they want it, as they want it, you know, 
delivered to their door so that they can have, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But they don't want to actually have to be the ones to do the work to do the deal. Like, no, no, no. They don't want to wait more than 10 minutes either. I think this, I think society is going to have to like bend a little bit, not break, but bend and sway to be like, okay, listen, I can't have everything now. Everything's a little bit more expensive. You know, what I hope with the supply chain issues, I hope that people are just going to be going to the farmer's markets more. That's my, my dream is for every action there's a reaction. So, okay. So, but going to farmer's markets, right? Farmers are facing the same thing. Yeah. So their products are, you know, and, and farmer's markets were never inexpensive to begin with. Right. But you could at least, you're going to, you're going to get something, you know, support local. You're going to get what you're looking for. I don't know. I wish people would cook at home more. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I wish that I don't know if are going to happen. And I feel like we've gone through so much adversity in the last three years. We still haven't learned any lessons from it. You know, as soon as it was possible to go back to business as usual, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, and nobody, at least I don't see anybody, you know, in, in the political world, media world, you know, in the public actually looking back and, you know, um, taking the lessons they learned and, and impl- implementing it in their businesses the way that they look at life. It's just kind of like, Oh, vaccine. Great. Yeah. Back to normal, back to normal as usual. Great. Everything's open. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden everything's open now. Go to concerts, go, go out, yeah. go shopping. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, no, we need to like, we need somebody to be standing on a stoop being like, Hey, this could happen again. And look where we're at. And like, let's not forget. And it's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're doomed. Mm-hmm. We need the alien invasion more than ever. It's the only thing that's going to save humanity, I think. I think humanity is the alien invasion. Yeah, touche. The virus. The multiplying virus on the face of the earth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I think we'll end it on that note. Yeah, maybe, we, yeah. Might, might, might as well, yeah, might might as well might, end it on a positive might. note. Excellent. <laughs> 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 tell us about your donut. Tell us where to get your donuts at. If somebody's listening to the podcast and they want to check it out, they want to have 24 different varieties of donuts, where, where do we go? So I have no idea when this is going to air, where it's going to air, or how it's going to air. Week, probably in a couple of weeks. Yeah. So I think the best way to do it is is to look at Instagram, yes. uh, Curiosity Donuts, and that will give you up to date about what the heck's going on in our in our chaos. Yeah, and obviously check out ideas and food. Please do. So again, we we wrote on it for fifteen years straight. Um, maybe missing a day here or there with a, a photograph. The last ten years, there's a photograph about something going on as well. So the archives are deep. Uh, if you actually are interested in kind of tinkering and exploring and not even understanding, but just being curious, just follow the rabbit hole. Like like we, we, we put like past dates on there. Like you can get lost for days. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty fun to see where it goes. And you'll be like, hey, I just saw that on the, in the, wait a second. You look at the date and it's from 2007. But it's interesting to see your thought process and what you said about it and to see how it evolves over the years too. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I think some of the stuff I've, 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 I've stayed the line and you can see also see lots of things. Oh, that was terrible. Like, <laughs> fucking, what, what kind of an asshole would think of this? Right, yeah. yeah. But no, I, I mean, it, it's it's fun. I, I, I get nostalgic and, and dive down it and be like, shit, we did that? That was, boy, that was a clever one, yeah. you know? And, and yeah, I mean, it's, but yeah, I mean, you and pasta, I think that's going to be insane. I, I think pasta is, is definitely something to do. Um, I try and convince you to put a donut shop in there uh, during the day, but that that's, that's a whole other conversation. I mean, that's a conversation that could be had, you know? Alex, you've been a dear friend of mine for a very long time. 
Thank you're you, sir. Overly expiring or overly inspiring. I'm, I'm, expiring, expiring, I'm expiring, expiring with the virus. Yeah, Me and the yeah. virus were expired. expired. <laughs> you're an extremely inspiring person. Um, thanks for our, all your friendship over the years. Thanks for doing this. It's, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and I always get some sort of insight out of it. So. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you much. Yeah. It was a lot. I wish I could have interviewed you for the equal amount of time. It would yeah. have been. I would have learned to start Curious Donuts podcast. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> In the sauna. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you.